inspired by you. We say we give you tonight. We thank you for each one who's here, and we look forward to what your word has for us. We pray all this in your name. Amen. Go ahead and be seated. Thank you, guys. It is officially second semester, and uh, a lot of people are still on interterm chapel schedule, apparently. So we have a small, intimate group that's, that's still... That's great. How many are here for the very first time you transferred in this semester? Anybody? Oh, no. Okay, they haven't figured out where chapel is yet. We'll work on that with them. How many seniors? Seniors on your last run, right? About 15, 16 weeks from now, you have to become adults, right? You have to get a real job. You have to get maybe health insurance, you have to find a place to live, all that stuff. You get one less semester to enjoy the calf and live in the dorms and do all, all that stuff. But there's an exciting life ahead of you, your last chapel semester. Um, how many did not go to interterm and just got here? Okay, a few of you, welcome back. Welcome back. The weather tonight was for you. Um, I don't know what the rest of the week will hold, but we had a few cold days during interterm. And, uh, but we're all glad glad you're here. Um, this is a weird time of the year. Uh, we used to live in Minnesota. Uh, so when people say Kansas is cold, I, I kind of chuckle. Um, I got a thing, a little meme from one of my friends. I, I saw he had put on there that uh, they were excited because at noon yesterday, they were hoping it was going to get to two degrees. That was before wind chill. And uh, apparently this coming week, they're expecting wind chills of 54 degrees below zero or 60 degrees below zero. To make it worse, when daylight savings time happens in Minnesota, because we're further north, um, there's a lot of darkness. I used to teach at Rosemont High School, and my, my classroom was in the very basement of the school. And so I'd have to get to school at 7, and it's completely dark and about 5 degrees below zero. I would go to class, and I would teach, and I would do all my things. Our teacher's cafeteria was in the middle of the school, so I never was around windows. I'd go to basketball practice. I'd come out at 5.30, 6 o'clock, and it's pitch black, and I never saw the sunlight. That's depressing. I don't know if any of you are like that. If you don't see sun once in a while, how depressing that gets. Darkness over and over. Anybody from Alaska? We have a couple people on campus here from Alaska. I don't know if they're here tonight. They go through that stretch, right, where they don't really have sunlight for a while. Darkness changes us. Darkness makes a difference. Let me talk about darkness a little bit. Um, my background educationally is in psychology, Adlerian psychology. And uh, one of the things I learned, I don't know, back in the day, is darkness actually affects us in a lot of ways we don't expect. For example, one study did this. They, they brought people in, and they had, they had a couple groups, and for one group, they took out half the light bulb. That's all they did. They just made the room darker. You could still see. You could still do, do your stuff. They took out half the light bulb so it was dimmer. And people, to earn a little bit of money, they had to solve problems, they had to report how many problems they solved, and they were given the money. Here's the crazy thing. By taking out the light bulbs in the darker rooms, 
people cheated almost 70% more. Didn't matter. They had the control group. They had, you know, they, they'd bring in different groups and do it. Almost 70% more people cheated when the lights were dim. No other factor was different. They did another study. And they told people, here's the deal. You come in, we're going to give you five bucks just to come in. This was back when five bucks meant you could get more than a couple hamburgers. We'll give you five bucks to come in. Half the people had to come in wearing sunglasses. And half the people came in wearing just glasses with clear frames. When they came in, there was a stranger there. And they gave you six bucks. And they said, you can divide this however you want. You can keep it all yourself. You can give the stranger something. We're just going to ask you a couple questions afterwards, but you can do whatever you want. People who wore sunglasses, people whose world was darker, were far less generous and kept more money. The only difference was the amount of light that was entering their eyes. Darkness changes us. There's a reason why parties and at bars and at events, they want the lights down low. You do things you might not normally do. Your inhibitions are lessened. You sometimes we become more selfish or self-centered. Darkness, darkness changes us. Not just physical darkness, though. Some of us are familiar with other types of darkness. When I was a high school teacher, I had a young lady named Casey. If you met Casey... She was one of those girls who had tons and tons of energy. She was on the cheerleading squad and the competition squad, and she was in student government, and she belonged to this group and that group, and she had constant, constant energy. She worked hard in her classes, and, and on the surface, you would have thought, wow, this girl has it all together. In one of my classes, she wrote a paper, and the paper was simply about how black and how dark and how hurting her life was. Her dad had passed away, or not passed away, he committed suicide the year before. And she had this sense of being unwanted. And all she did, because the blackness and the darkness and the, the hurt was so intense for her, that she ran from it trying to do as much stuff as she could so she didn't have to deal with it. A few years ago, my son was in college, bright young man. Great grades, great test scores, and he went into a depression. And in the darkness of that depression, logic didn't matter. It didn't matter what I said. It didn't matter what we tried to do. It didn't matter how we came around him. The darkness was heavy. And it didn't seem that much could get through. Hopelessness, fear, anxiety. Loneliness, helplessness, they all thrive in the dark. They all, they all seem to fester and grow, and they, they lurk over our shoulders. And I know this is a little bit heavy to start the semester, but there's, there's going to be some good news, I promise you. But the reality is, I've learned of dealing with college kids now for over 20 years, that darkness is very real to a lot of you. 
Some of you have never, ever known Jesus. You've never known the difference he can make in your life. And, and you're working hard and you're trying to make it. But there's areas of your life that are dark. There's areas of your life that haunt you. And even some of you who love Jesus, some of you who have walked with him, there's some really dark areas. There's some areas where you don't even want to stop and think about because your heart freezes and, 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 and you tense up. And it seems that that darkness is so real that you can almost reach out and grab it. Let me break a couple of uh, concepts for us, though. Anybody in here a science major? Okay. How cold can things get? They're just freshmen. No, I'm just joking. Uh, how cold can something get? Anybody know? Does cold actually exist? Cold doesn't, why doesn't cold exist? It's the absence of heat, right. I think it's 458 degrees below zero. As, as Fahrenheit, I believe, is absolute zero. Does that sound about right? Somewhere in there? There's actually no such thing as cold. Now, tell us that when the temperature drops. All right, but we measure cold by how little heat there is. Celsius and Fahrenheit are measures of heat. Heat exists. And when there is absolutely no, no heat, then you get to the very bottom. You can't go below it because cold doesn't exist. Take another abstract concept. Think about death and life. Death, we know, happens. But is death a thing? Or is death simply the absence of life? Death happens when life ceases to exist. You, can't, you can point to something that's alive, and you can point to when life leaves, but death in and of itself is simply the absence of life. Any art majors here? Okay, anybody into photography? Do we measure darkness? What do we measure? If you're going to take a picture, what do you measure? You measure how much light is in the room. You see, darkness in and of itself isn't a thing. Darkness in and of itself doesn't have power. Darkness in and of itself can't do anything. Darkness is simply the absence of life. I experienced this a couple times. When I was in, uh, I think, high school, my freshman year, we went caving or spelunking, if you like to use weird words. All right? And we're down about 40, 50 feet below the surface of wherever we went into the cave. And we're down in there, and it's pretty cool. And we're looking at all these things from the ceiling and on the walls. And all of a sudden, our leader says, okay, everybody, just be still. And he flipped off his light. And there was no light whatsoever. None. There was nothing. You couldn't tell if somebody was two feet away or four feet away or eight feet away except you heard him breathing. And it was freaky. But I knew he had the light. And I knew there were people there. And we were all going through it together. But it was absolutely dark. I could not see my hand in front of my face. 
But the reality of darkness really didn't hit me until I went to college. And we went out to San Francisco. Anybody from San Francisco? Anybody been to Alcatraz as a tourist? Alcatraz is this old federal penitentiary out on this island called, uh, if you ever watched the movie, the old movie with Nicolas Cage, The Rock, that was out in Alcatraz. And one of the things you got to do if you wanted is they took you down to solitary confinement. And you walked into solitary confinement and they shut the door. And you were in there alone and there was not a hint of light anywhere. It was absolutely dark. And that was scary. Because you could imagine spending day after day after day. You don't know if it's morning or it's night. You don't know. There's nobody else there. It's just you. But I had this little watch. This was before Indiglo and all kinds of fancy stuff and cell phones. It was just a cheap little digital watch. But if you pushed a button, this little tiny light lit up inside. And in absolute darkness, that little light was like a spotlight. Changed everything. As a tangible construct, darkness is not a thing. It doesn't exist. It has no power. This past week, we we celebrated Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Day, and as I was looking at that in preparation for Friday, I came across another quote of his that I thought was especially significant for tonight. He says, "This darkness." cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. Darkness cannot drive out darkness. One of the things I've learned is a lot of people try and drive out darkness with more darkness. They chase their feelings of loneliness and self-hatred and rejection with alcohol and drugs, hoping to escape the darkness that they feel so closely. They, they, they try and chase away this idea of rejection and not mattering. With superficial relationships. With things that, that really don't matter, but at least for the time being help them escape. They, they chase a lack of purposefulness. With greed, if I just get rich, if I just get more, if I just get all this stuff, And they get all that stuff, and the darkness still remains. And so this semester, I want to bring some good news. Because I know on this campus, there's darkness. I know in my own life at times, there is darkness, and it's hard. But God gave us his word. You know what the first words that God ever says to us are? Let there be light. The very first thing God ever did was give us light. And that light breaks through the darkness. In, in, uh, in uh, Mark 4.16, Matthew 4.16, I forget which one it is. Jesus is fulfilling a prophecy and they're speaking about Jesus and they say this. It's Matthew Um, The people living in darkness have seen a great light. Those living in the land of shadow, of death, upon them a light has dawned. In John 1.5, the light shines through the darkness. The darkness can never extinguish it. 
You know what the last words Jesus says to us at the end of Revelation? I am the bright and morning star. The Bible begins with light and it ends with light. Into the darkness, a light shines. If you remember nothing else from tonight, this semester we're praying is a semester of light. That God's word, God's presence breaks through into the darkness we experience. The darkness we wrestle with, the stuff we don't even want to think about, the stuff we run from, the stuff we try and medicate. That into that darkness, God's light breaks through and we realize what we thought was really powerful is nothing at all. What we really, what we once thought were chains that held us are broke. What we once thought was stuff we could never escape, we find out is really nothing at all and it's already been defeated. It's funny though, sometimes even though we know the light's good for us, even though, though we know we've been in this dark place, sometimes we don't want to leave. When I was in grad school, one of the, the ladies that came in, one of the professors, her expertise was in dealing with women who had been abused. They come out of abused relationships. And she said the problem in, in trying to help them is they know how to operate in those relationships. They can survive those relationships. Being in a healthy relationship is extraordinarily scary for them. And it's easier for them to be in a hurtful relationship that they know and have endured before than to go into something new and unknown. Sometimes we stay in the dark because it's familiar. I've been here a long time. I know how it works. I know how to vent a little bit of pain and stress. I, I can survive it. Sometimes, sometimes it just feels good. The Bible tells us that sin feels good for a season. The Bible says that, that sometimes we do things and, and, and in the short term there's something that seems to be working for us. Sometimes our fear of being left out, is that FOMO? Is that the, is that the term now, right? Fear of being left out is so strong that We'd rather be in the dark with people and we're afraid that we won't be a part of something if we're not there with everybody else, even if it's hard. In reality, too, it's easy to hide in the dark. It's easy for people to not know who you really are. I mean... You're all college kids. Have you ever thought somebody was kind of fairly attractive in the dark and then you saw them in the light? <laughs> it's easy to hide who we are. It's easy to be somebody else in the dark. And if I step into the light, then you're going to know who I really am. Here's the most important truth for tonight. The biggest reason we stay in the light at the end of the day after all those reasons, we do not understand God's compassion, God's love, God's heart for us. 
We don't understand the God who created the universe, the God who said, let there be light, has this desire that you would have this full and abundant life. That he has something that would be more than you ever dreamed could happen, but it only happens until you step, when you step out of the darkness and into the light. John 1, verses 5 and 7 says this, This is the message we have heard, and we declare to you. God is light, in him is there no darkness at all. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all our sins. When we step into the light, we become part of a body. When you step into the light, you're not alone. When you step into the light, the blood of Jesus purifies us and changes us and heals us and sets us on a new new course. Often we don't get it. And, and uh, we're going to put up a few slides here. These are some common objections. These are things that people say, oh, Dean, it all makes sense. And, oh, I, I'd, love to, I'd love to do that. But somebody says, yeah, but if I step into the light, if I step out of the darkness and step into the light, all my sins are going to be exposed. All, all the stuff that I don't want people to see, everything that I've kept, tried to keep hidden is going to be visible. The reality is, here's what God says. All my sins, all your sins are going to be forgiven. All your sins are going to be taken and placed as far away as the east is from the west. All your sins are going to be made white as snow. They're no more. They don't haunt you. They do not hold you back. They are not held against you. They're not going to be paraded out for everybody to see. They're going to be dealt with once and for all. Well, that's all well and good. Some others are going to say people will see me for who I really am. They're, they're going to see all the little things about me. The reality is, you don't have to keep trying to be somebody you're not. You'll be made new. And being made new, there's something that happens. Don't raise your hand. But if you had to answer the question, how many of you are tired of wearing a mask trying to be somebody that down deep you know you're not? And you hide in the darkness behind your mask. God says, let there be light. Let me shine on you. Let me make you new. And who you are has extraordinary wealth or extraordinary value, extraordinary meaning to me. We're going to talk about that on Wednesday in chapel. Some say, yeah, but if I step into the life, if I give my life to Jesus, I have no control over my life. Reality is, you're putting your life into the hands of the God who loves you, who's all-powerful, who made the world, who made the seas and the mountains and everything they're in, somebody who knows how fearfully and wonderfully made you are who knows far more than you do about what makes you tick and who wants the best for you. 
Finally, if you, some of you will say, yeah, but I, I've seen this whole Christian thing, and if I, if I step into the light, now there's all these rules and things that I have to follow. And I'm going to tell you this. Don't let people who have turned Christianity into a bunch of rules confuse you. The reality is when you choose to follow Jesus, there's more freedom than you ever dreamed possible. There's a way to live your life. There's a way to be fully you that you never knew existed. We used to direct, the senior high directors at this camp, we played this great game called night ball. It's basically capture the flag with volleyballs. And when we first started playing it, we played on this hill called Vision Hill. Vision Hill was great, except for a couple problems. One, it was slanted which means if you were running one way, it was hard to stop. Secondly, it was surrounded, there was this big clearing, but it was surrounded by trees, and on nights when the moon wasn't out, it was dark. And we had a lot of fun, but we also had some major injuries. I still hold the camp record. In a day, well, within about 16 hours or 18 hours, I, in my leadership role, helped eliminate every single male staff member at camp that week we were playing we were playing night ball and and the first thing all of a sudden you hear is oh that's all you hear as somebody ran into a tree <laughs> all right one of my one of my counselors runs into a tree somebody always runs into a tree at camp by the way that's just a rule of camp <laughs> a little bit later you hear this really loud thud and a long two groan. Dan Kent and Tim Lemons were on a dead sprint. Neither saw the other. They connected full speed. Tim is our musician, has two broken ribs. Dan Kent has a concussion, one of my staff members. Now, a wise camp director would say, let's shut it down for the night, right? I mean, that we've got, we're down three. No, we're having too much fun with this. So then, 15 minutes later, you hear this really loud crack and a scream as Steve Weber stepped into a hole, shattered his ankle, and had to be airlifted out. A lot of fun in the dark, right? Well, I loved playing on Vision Hill. The next year, I'm like, we may need to find a different place to play. And there was this cool observatory, and it had this huge field around it. And so I went to them and started talking to them. And there were just a few lights, not many. It was still dark, so it was a night game. But you could see if you could, were going to run into somebody. You could run faster and harder and more. There was so much more freedom because now we had some light. Sometimes we feel pinned in. Sometimes we feel like we can't do something that God has called us to do. And the reality is, is because we're staying in the dark. The Colossians, or Corinthians 4, 6 is that God gave us the light in the person of Jesus Christ so that we don't have to be in the dark any longer. Here's the journey I'd like to go on with you this semester. 
I'd like to invite God to shine his light into the dark places of our lives. Those places it's hard to talk about, the places we pretend don't exist, the places we desperately want to escape, but we don't know how, the places we don't even tell our roommates or our best friends or our fiance. Our anxiety and depression, our bitterness, our anger, our sexuality, our hurt, our helplessness, our fear. This whole semester is about practical applications of our faith and where we live each day. But at the end of the day, we're going to come back to the same basic premise. That there is light waiting to break into your darkness. Some of you have never known Jesus as your Lord. You've never experienced that light in your life. I'm just going to be blunt and straightforward with you all semester. He's waiting for you. I don't think it's ever a random accident that somebody ends up at Sterling College. Somebody has to come to chapel. And, and here's the deal. Um, this year, if you come to chapel, you're going to hear about the fact that Jesus loves you, that he died for you. He's got a plan for your life. And you're going to hear about that over and over and over again. Because nothing has made a difference in my life the way he has. And if you've never known Jesus and, and, and you've never known what it means to walk in the light, I want to invite you this semester, let's talk. I'd love to help you experience that same relationship with him that I do. My wife would love to talk about her relationship with Jesus and help you understand the difference he's made in her life. God invites you just as you are. But I'm also going to tell you, he loves you so much, he's not going to let you stay the way you are. He's going to take you on a journey. He's going to take you on an adventure. It's, it's going to be something. Um, he wants to shine brilliant light into your mind and into your soul and into your heart. He wants to change those places of darkness so that somehow you can reflect his, life into, his light into somebody else's life. He knows everything about you. He wants passionately to be in a relationship with you. So we're going to invite you over and over again this year to consider stepping out of the darkness and into a relationship with Jesus. And a lot of you know him. A lot of you walk with him. It's a small group tonight. A few of you need to get your credits. I understand. Some of you, Sunday night chapel is an important thing. And I don't care how much you love Jesus and how, how strong your walk is with him. I know my life, I know sometimes there's still some pretty strong areas of darkness in my life. Sometimes things happen. Sometimes things change and, and that darkness grabs us. You might be like the student Casey. You're doing everything you can to say, praise the Lord and raise your hands and worship and, and do everything you can. But there's some area of darkness that's looming over your shoulder. And you desperately need some light. The Bible tells us that something happens when we offer ourselves to God. We are transformed. It's interesting. Uh, the word that's actually used there, it means we are changed after being with someone. When I met Julie, 
and we started dating and, and we got to know each other, I was changed after being with her. I was transformed. I dressed a lot better. I was colorblind. I didn't know I had ugly green stuff, and she told me. I became kinder. I became more warm to her friends. There were things that happened. I was changed after being with her. The Bible says that's what happens when we step into the light. When we walk with Jesus, after we've been with him, nothing is the same. My friend Tim wrote a song. He says this. He says, come into the light, my friend. It beckons you to enter in. You'll never be the same again. Won't you come into the light? Come into the light, my friend. It's always shine for you. But then, you may not get this chance again. Won't you come into the light? Isaiah 49 says this. In the time of my favor, God says this to us. I will answer you. And in the day of salvation, I will help you. I will keep you. I will say to the captives, come out, be free. And I will say to those in darkness, come out and be free. I pray for you. The group here in our college as a whole, that this would be a semester of light. That the light would shine in the darkness in our lives individually and collectively and, and the darkness would not be able to understand it. The darkness would disappear and there would be freedom that we've never experienced before. I'm going to pray for us and the worship team is going to uh, come and do one last song. And I just want to give uh, a simple invitation. It's the start of a new semester. Some of you come in with heavy stuff. Some of you come in with darkness. Some of you come in with challenges and you just don't know what to do. One of the things Julie and I want to do is make ourselves available to you. We're not going to ask you to do anything, anything at all, but if you would like, we would love to pray for you. So during this last song, if, if there's something we can pray for you about, we're just going to be standing up here. Come up. We'll pray, pray over you quickly. You can go on your way. But uh, we want to pray for light on this campus tonight. Okay, let me pray. Lord Jesus, uh, you came. It says that the angels, when you were born, there was this great light. It filled the sky. And the light you bring drives out the darkness. God, I pray for this campus. I pray for each faculty and staff and students. That somehow this semester whether it be through conversations, through classes, through chapels, through, through whatever you do, coaches and directors, that God, your light would shine brightly and the darkness would be driven out. In Jesus' name, we pray that dark strongholds that have existed for years would be broken. We pray that, that people who have, have huddled in darkness would be set free. And that there would be this extraordinary joy and freedom that takes place as your, shine, your light shines so brightly we can hardly stand it. I pray specifically for each student in here tonight that you would shine into their light, into their life, 
in a way that they haven't experienced before. That they would raise a shade, open a curtain, or light a candle, or flip a switch, or something, and they would see just a little bit more clearly how much you love them and how much they matter to you. So we ask for your light. And uh, we, we pray against any darkness. We do all this in Jesus' name. Amen.